Oh, my gosh. You are listening to Ah Geez, a Fargo recap podcast from Minnesota Public Radio. We're here to provide an authentic Minnesota perspective on a show named after a city in North Dakota. My name is Tracy Mumford. I'm a producer for NPR News. I'm Jay Gabler from The Current. And Tracy, do you think that my car has been towed because of Spring Street cleaning? It's possible, I guess. Well, it either has been or it hasn't. But until I go home and look, I can't know. It kind of simultaneously both has been towed and hasn't been towed. Oh, man, you sound like the guy at the bar. We should talk about this. Last night's episode was the law of non-contradiction, which is what Jay is toying with me here. Yes. Uh, and the, sometimes I'll admit the episode titles in the show kind of hurt my brain. Um, can you tell me more about the law of non-contradiction? Well, again, according to authoritative source Wikipedia, contradictory statements cannot both be true in the same sense at the same time. So, for example, the propositions A is B and A is not B mutually exclusive. They can't both be true. So we have a lot of things going on in this episode where it's either one thing or it's the other thing. Can it be both? Sometimes if you don't know, it sort of has to be both. What I thought was interesting about last night's episode, which was wild and crazy and what was happening, is that Noah Hawley has said repeatedly that Fargo is a winter show. It will always take place in the winter. There will always be snow. There will always be parkas. So the only way to get out of that is to literally leave the Midwest, which is what we did last night. Gloria Burkle booked herself a ticket to Hollywood, California. And it does not make Minnesota look too bad. You know, sometimes we being from Minnesota sort of smart at the uh, the depiction of Minnesota in this show. But the depiction of Los Angeles and Hollywood in this show kind of make uh, Minnesota look a better place to be. It does. So Gloria is heading out to Hollywood because she found this clip in Ennis's secret stash of a picture of him as Thaddeus Mobley, his secret sci-fi alter life, yucking it up with this film producer in front of this hotel in L.A. So she decides to go to this very same hotel. She books herself into, well, she doesn't know it, but the very same room that her stepfather, when he was still known as Thaddeus Mobley, once stayed in. Yeah, so the hotel was deliberate. Being booked into the exact same room seems to be a coincidence. So we learn a little bit about Thaddeus Mobley, a.k.a. Ennis Stussy, in this episode. He's this sci-fi writer who won a Golden Planet Award in 1975. He's young. He's kind of taken in by the glitz and the glam and the cocaine of Los Angeles. Um, And we actually learned that he's originally from Baraboo, Wisconsin. If you look really close at his checks, you will see young Thaddeus Mobley is a Wisconsin native here um, who's just not quite ready for the big city. And yes, Baraboo, Wisconsin is a real place. It is. There's a circus there. Yeah. By the way, Tracy, did you notice what it specifically says on his award? It's the Singularity Award for Best Science Fiction Novel, which reminds me. me of what VM Varga had to say about his relationship with Emmett. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about a singularity, he said. We're talking about a continuity. However, in the case of Thaddeus Mobley's Award for Best Science Fiction Novel, it was just a singularity and you know singularity in the world of sci-fi should uh, raise the hairs on the back of your neck there anyway but yeah so in 1975 this young wisconsin guy wins the sci-fi award um and this film producer kind of you know staggers up to him and says like hey boy i'm gonna show you around town we're gonna make you a star we're gonna make your book into a movie um and his alarm bells don't go off he's just a, a a naive midwesterner 
But how young is he? So this is kind of one of my questions. So if I remember correctly, we learned that in 2010, Ennis was supposedly 82 years old, mm-hmm. right? So if you count backwards, that means that in 1975, he should be 47. And the actor we see playing Thaddeus Mobley in 1975, definitely not a 47-year-old man. So he changed his name and his age, maybe. I don't know. Ennis was looking kind of 82 to me, though. I mean, could it be that in some sort of like science fictional upcoming development, Ennis slash Thaddeus ages unusually quickly? All right. So I suggested ghosts last episode, and now Jay Gabler is throwing time travel at you. Hold on to your seats, folks. So uh, Thaddeus Mobley gets taken in by Howard Zimmerman, um, and they have this hilarious moment. Uh, this photographer yells, you know, say UFO, as he snaps their picture right in front of this big motel sign. To me, this could not have been a more clear callback to season two and the big shootout with the UFO in front of the motel. That was just Noah Hawley winking at all of us who have been paying attention. Howard Zimmerman also introduces Thaddeus to Vivian Lord, his uh, slinky companion. So we see Vivian. uh, Thaddeus is very taken with the idea of getting to know her better and possibly having her star. Although it's unclear from what we later learn about the plot of this story, what role she would have. But never mind that. She looks great. He's into the idea. Uh, Howard Zimmerman seems to have Warren Beatty on the line, who could possibly star in this movie if... Some palms are greased. Warren Beatty was not on the line. You don't think? Okay, all right, all right, all right, okay. So, yeah, Thaddeus completely gets taken in by this Hollywood dream. They're going to make a movie. Vivian Lord's totally into him. All he has to do is write a check, and then another check, and then another check, and then another check. Um, We're getting all this in flashbacks of 1975. And I'm just so curious, like, could Noah Hawley not quit? the 70s because he's just like so into flared pants and turtlenecks and that he just couldn't give it up after last season why would you want to (laughs) i mean i love seeing it um so yeah he gets taken in and it's it's really quite a sad moment that we're getting we're starting to understand why he might have left this all behind and changed his name and moved to the midwest so he shows up at vivian's pad where she informs thaddeus in no uncertain terms i used you don't you get it nobody asked you to come here with your puppy dog face and your sad eyes okay so hold here because there's a bit of cliffhanger gloria is still trying to figure all this out she's going around town she's looking for these people and she manages to track down the much-aged versions of Howard and Vivian Lord, who are still lurking around L.A. She's really trying to figure out what her stepfather was doing in L.A. and what would have sent him off to the Midwest after this. And so she finds Howard living in the senior care facility. He's using one of those electro-larynx things, and he has been wounded in an accident that no one wants to talk about. Yes. And I love watching Gloria walk around Los Angeles in her new Los Angeles wardrobe, which she needed to acquire because her suitcase was stolen by a sketchy Santa. In elf pants. (laughs) Typical Hollywood. Uh, And she was really hoping she'd get to L.A. and she'd get some help. But what she gets instead is Officer Hunt who is another familiar face to us if you watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, we had Glenn Howerton from that show in season one, who uh, died in a barrage of bullets while duct taped to an exercise bike, um, which when I see Rob McElhaney from that show, just makes me wonder, what creative and horrible way are they going to kill this guy with? Oh, I hope it's good. <laughs> just a question. The other great guest star in this episode, this man who uh, she strikes up a conversation with on the plane and then later re-meets at the bar, is played by Ray Wise. 
better known to Twin Peaks fans as... I just can't see him without thinking it's the devil. It's Leland Palmer. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And he's great in this episode, all full of sort of philosophical speculation as people in uh, Fargo are wont to be. Right. Oh, and we're meandering here, but so did the episode. So this is fair. So by tracking down Howard and Vivian, she finally gets the real story out of them. She finds Vivian working at a diner, um, which is so sad because her glamour shot is on the wall of the diner staring at her while she goes around serving pie. Um, and she gets the true story about what happened to Thaddeus and why he might have left it all behind. When he went to her apartment and confronted them both, they think he's just kind of going to roll over and, yeah, be a puppy about it. And he's not. The accident that wounded Howard ends up being Thaddeus. He grabs his cane, he beats him. And I mean, this scene is so reminiscent of season one when Lester is killing his wife in the basement. I mean, I feel like they shot it almost the same way. He really brutally attacks Howard. He spares Vivian Lord. And that's what happened to them, which I thought this was interesting that we had an episode of Fargo without a murder. I mean, there was blood. There has to be blood. But nobody died. Did we lose anyone in episode two either? Irv, come on. You can't forget oh, Irv. Oh, of course, he went over Irv. The, side of the parking garage. Yeah. R.I.P. Irv. Did not jump, was pushed. Right. So, yes, we had a near murder, but not a murder in these 1970s flashbacks. And what he'd done shocked him so much that Thaddeus fled back to his hotel room, the same hotel room that Gloria is now staying in, little uh, does she know. And he loses his lunch in the hotel bathroom and while he's sitting on the tile floor he has a a moment of inspiration that we only learn about when gloria drops something on the bathroom floor of the same hotel room and has to like get down the floor to get it and notices that the toilet is made by dennis stussy and sons with the d sort of obscured so there on the edge of the toilet where poor thaddeus had been in his most desperate moment you read the name. If I was going to start a new life and I got to pick any name I wanted, I would not pick the name on the toilet. Well, so here's my question. Is Dennis Stussy the maker of the toilet? Right. Yeah. Are the Stussy brothers the heirs to the toilet throne? Literally? <laughs> I hope so. Or like it must have been a failed toilet empire at that point if all he had left was a Corvette and stamps at his death. But... I mean, there can't just randomly be two Stussies, right? There's got to be some connection between the brothers and that toilet in L.A. I totally buy that. I think that's going to come together. But I don't know how you go from the name Thaddeus Mobley, which is awesome, to taking the name off the toilet. I mean, it's what he did. He took the name and he moved to Eden Valley and he became this new person. He was in a very literally low place. Right. This, um, to me, was a little moment, uh, the usual suspects, the Kobayashi moment where he steals the name looking at the broken porcelain cup. Um, That's what we're having here with stealing the name off the toilet. Yeah. So Gloria now, having learned a lot, heads back to Minnesota, where, as she's informed by the flight attendant, it's a balmy 23 degrees. Hey, that is good for December in Minnesota. That I'm going to defend that as balmy. Yes, and uh, the metro area tends to be a little bit warmer than greater Minnesota, so it's going to get only colder for her driving out to Eden Valley. That's okay, because there's Arby's in it for her. Yeah, <laughs> We learned Gloria is a die-hard Arby's fan, which, okay. So she <laughs> she goes to Ennis's poorly attended wake, having realized that her entire L.A. trip was really just kind of a wild goose chase. Nothing he did out there, however dark or violent, really had anything to do with his death. And she comes home to bury him. She and her son are the only people at his funeral. And they decide to celebrate afterwards with 
some milkshakes, and some curly fries. But she doesn't leave the episode empty-handed in terms of clues because she learns that some fingerprints were found at Ennis's place. And those fingerprints are, of course, traced to... Maurice LeFay, who unfortunately was pancaked by an air conditioner. And we learned that he was on parole for, quote-unquote, some pretty nasty stuff, according to the deputy. Now, my question is, does the deputy just think that, like, stealing flat-screen TVs out of houses counts as pretty nasty stuff? Or was there more on Maurice's record that maybe even Ray didn't know about? I mean, this is a deputy who leaves his gun in the car on accident, so... We just have to take everything he uh, he says with a grain of salt. Yes. And as Gloria drives off, we notice that in the back of her police car, she has kept a box that she found in the hotel. Okay, we have to talk about this super weird box. When she gets into this hotel room, it's this box with a little switch on it. And if you switch it, a light turns on and a little hand comes out and turns it off. Jay, this is a real thing. You can buy this on Amazon. This is like a thing people knew about. Have you seen one of these before? No, but I think we need to have one. I mean, they were not that expensive. I'm just going to say that. We need to stay at more fleabag Hollywood hotels, Tracy. This is how you get those boxes. (laughs) Okay, but it does take us to a very important point that we have not touched on at all is the sci-fi robot theme running through the middle of this episode. What was that? Android Minsky. So this is basically the story of the planet Y. This is the movie that Thaddeus was writing futilely, we learn. It was never going to happen. But Noah Hawley has given us a peek into what he was working at on his typewriter. And it is so sad. It's very, very sad. So we get it in animated form in, in beautiful but also bleak animation about this little android. So the beginning of this story, Planet Y, this spaceship crashes on a planet. There is an astronaut and there is an android. The astronaut is dying and the android sort of leans over him in the pose that then becomes the book cover, which then becomes the little figure that Ennis, a.k.a. Thaddeus, Carved, carved for his for grandson. Son, that's right. So this is the sort of this robot, um, this poignant moment between the android and the astronaut. The astronaut dies, but tells cute little android Minsky to go and like contact the home base and tell them it wasn't all for nothing. And he wanders for eons through like the entire history of Earth. Uh, we learn that he is in fact the oldest thing in the universe at the end of this sad little cartoon thing and the loneliest, right? He's the oldest and loneliest creature in the universe. He's just such a positive little guy, just always chirping, I can help. That's all he can can help. I can help. (laughs) Even when they steal his arm. They steal his arm while he's recharging, but still he limps on saying, I can help. And finally, the end of his story comes when amid carnage, flames, people dying, arms lying all over the place, a UFO comes. And I love, I mean, love in the sense that it's like such a bleak, like Fargo moment. This UFO comes down and the first thing that happens is like an army drops out of the UFO and just starts shooting everybody who's already miserable. Right. So things are already getting worse. But the spaceship takes the android Minsky up where he is told, hey, congratulations, you've been around for 2.83 million years. And yes, I did Google 2.83 to see if that number had some kind of cosmological significance. I can't find it. Uh, tweet us, everyone, yeah. if you know if 2.83 means anything. I love this cartoon thing because one of the criticisms that we've heard about season three of Fargo is that it's you know been there, done that. We've seen this all before. We've seen the accents and the murder and the snow, and we're just getting more of the same with season three, even if you have like a new exciting cast. But <laughs> this episode to me is Noah Hawley saying, you have no idea what I'm capable of. 
love because we haven't had cartoon robots before. We definitely haven't been there and done that before. So to me, this is him shaking things up and a good reminder that we don't know where this is headed and anything is possible. It could also have something to do with Legion, the comic book inspired show that he's been working on recently that came out a few months ago, which uh, is very sci-fi and superhero-y. And maybe some of that is bleeding over into Fargo. Maybe that explains the cartoon sequences. So then at the very end of this sort of cartoon story about the android Minsky, he gets told, okay, now you can shut yourself down. And he says, I can help. So the last thing he has to help is to turn himself off. And notice he opens the little lid of his head, puts his hand up there and uses his finger to flip the switch off and the light in his head like the light in Gloria's little box goes from green to red. This just felt like such a strange, standalone, isolated episode. Nothing that was in it had anything to do with Ennis's death. We had this strange cartoon. I feel like it was just this complete standalone, like Fargo vacation dream. And now we're back into the Midwest murder again at the end. Yeah. After getting a heavy dose of philosophy, uh, I thought there were like references to like the paradox of like Schrodinger's cat. Mm -hmm. So where you have like a cat in a box and the cat is either dead or alive, depending on whether or not the source of radiation has emitted the lethal radiation. But until you open the box, you can't know whether the cat is alive or dead. So it's sort of both simultaneously alive and dead. So I was like trying to brainstorm some other things in this season where you don't know it could be one or the other. Is it Ennis? or Thaddeus? Or is he both, right? Is Gloria chief or not? She doesn't know. She's sort of simultaneously chief of Eden Valley, and she's not chief. And then, of course, you've got the literal box that is at once both sort of on and off. Hmm. Interesting. I'm going to say that I continue to not like the technology commentary that's happening this season. It feels really ham-fisted to me. The moment Officer Hunt starts talking about how many Facebook friends he had, but he started talking to this woman who's turned out to be a Nigerian man. It's just like all over the place. I'm not loving it at all. Yeah, I totally agree with you. That scene is maybe one of my least favorite scenes in the entire run of the Fargo show. I was just like, make it end. But... I thought more about your theory that Gloria is a ghost. And I'm going to go ahead and say, no, I don't think she's a ghost. I think she is just not using technology because Noah Hawley wants to make the point that technology is annoying and Gloria is the good character. And one way that the show signals that she is good and to be loved and trusted is that she is not on Facebook. All right. Fair enough. But still, they can just stop talking about Facebook and I would be happy. It's not working for me. Okay, I had this moment that I want to point out that's probably a Coen Brothers reference or I'm just way overthinking it. But when she gets him up to her motel room uh, for the first time and there's those pair of shoes just lurking under the curtain and then she pulls it back and there's no one there. It's the man who wasn't there. But um, Brothers reference, right? I was like so proud of myself at that moment. Also, a little Easter egg, if you didn't catch it when we were watching the robot Minsky, the astronaut dying at the beginning is Ewan McGregor in his normal accent. Minsky. I can help. I'm dying. I need <coughs> No. It's too late for me. You must find a way to get word back. <coughs> Let them know it wasn't all for nothing. So we do get to hear him in his full Scottish brogue in the show, just as an astronaut. And then at the end of Robot Minsky, it's David Thewlis voicing the guy who picks up Minsky at the end and tells him to turn himself off. Unit M-N-S-K-Y. I can help. 
We, the Federation of United Planets, want to honor you for your service. We downloaded your data recorder and found that you have been functional for 2.38 million years. And the narrator of Android Minsky's story is... Carrie Coon. Get word back, the captain had told him. But how? Thus began the wander of the Android Minsky. He was a prototype, singular in his design, created to observe and record his programming not yet complete. Who we see is reading the book, which kind of explains why she's telling the story in her voice. Yeah, Gloria is reading the book on the plane. So if you didn't catch it, that's why those voices sounded familiar. Also in this episode, we got a little meta mocking of the Minnesota accent. You want two beers? Um, I think I'll just have a diet pop. (laughs) Diet pop. And so it's kind of acknowledging that the Minnesota accent has become this national joke in part, in large part, because of Fargo. You don't got teasing in Minnesota? I don't sound like that, do I? I mean, yeah. Look, I, I'm just I'm just kidding with you. Can you relax? Maybe have a beer. So we are working on getting an interview with the real police chief of Eden Valley. Hint, hint, it is not Gloria Burgle. Chief Junker was up to some police work today. Understandable. Fair enough. Stuff happens in Eden Valley. So we'll have that coming at you. And we'll also have more interviews coming up. They are actually still filming the show right now. So uh, the cast and crew will soon be available to us and we'll have more details. Next time on Fargo, if you caught the scenes or next time, um, we are getting the inevitable bank scene where... Ray is going to impersonate his brother and try and access that safe deposit box. Um, He is wearing one of the worst wigs ever, and I thought that the wig he's wearing for his character was bad, so this should be interesting. You called that one. Aw Geez is produced by Tracy Mumford, Jay Gabler, and Anna Reed. Our theme music is by the Valdons, courtesy of Secret Stash Records. You can follow us on Twitter at Aw Geez Podcast. A-W-J-E-E-Z-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Okay, then. Bye now. <laughs> <laughs>